0: You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 110, Just Choices. Is it too complicated? Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahoviak. And my name is Sandy Morgan. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. And Sandy, today we are looking at a topic that is one that actually pretty much all of us are dealing with, whether we understand that or not, or are aware of that or not. And that is some of the choices we make in sourcing supplies and working with, um, uh, forming partnerships with organizations that supply things to our organization and to businesses and to nonprofits and thinking through that or not, as the case may be. And so we've got a lot of tools and resources to look at today in order to help us all to be more effective.
1: I tell you, Dave, I've had so many conversations of late where I've I just it's part of who I am, and we're having a conversation and i I hear people say well that that's too complicated because uh, I you know I explain why um one year during insured justice preparation, the idea was to order a little cotton tote bag and someone had found a really good deal and i said well did you did you check the supply chain because here in california we have the supply chain transparency act and the person looked at me and said that's kind of complicated i don't have time to do that i said well it's out of my department i'm going to do it so and and this is something i really want listeners to pay attention to if the people in your company in your organization In your church, if you're a pastor, you're the CEO, and the buck stops here. So if decisions are made to not follow through on something that looks a little complicated, ultimately, that's going to be my responsibility. So I stayed a little later. I went online. I checked out the website, and according to the law, they needed to have certain information. When that information was not transparent enough, I made phone calls we did not give out tote bags that year because I couldn't find one that I felt was done ethically, and I knew for sure there was no child or forced labor in it. So I'm um very committed to this and I, I wanted us to look at the tools that are available to us, whether you're in California or anywhere. The U.S. Department of Labor in 2005 was mandated to develop the Office of Child Labor, Forced Labor, and Human Trafficking. And as a result of that, the Bureau of International Labor Affairs, let me say that again, Bureau of International Labor Affairs, the iLab is conducting research on child labor and forced labor in order to produce a biannual report. So the um, the last report that came out was in 2014. The next one will be in 2016. And we're going to talk about how that report helps us do our homework, it is a little bit complicated, but it's not nearly as complicated as if we didn't have these tools and resources.
0: And I, I think you've you've mentioned something, Sandy, here that um, all of us bear responsibility for. And we, and when I think just to my own experience here, is that there are times that I have gone online to purchase something or been influential and. In, making a decision to purchase something for an organization. And I have thought through this of like, okay, where is this coming from? What's the supply chain, you know, and and done some research on that. Um, I will say more often than not, I've gone online, especially if I'm looking for something that could be purchased, you know, potentially different places or more of a commodity item. And I am as guilty as anyone of like going on and finding the lowest price and like, Oh, yeah. you know, this organization has it cheap and this, you know, we can get it even cheaper here. And not really thinking of the implications of that. And so I think it's it's sometimes easy. This is one of those things where, uh, what do they call it in psychology? Someone who writes, you know, diffusion of responsibility. Of, you know, okay. if there's not an apparent, um, it's very easy to just kind of mentally offload the responsibility somewhere else. It's like, oh, well, it's already for sale here. It's cheap. And this is a great deal. And yet we all bear the responsibility for if we... If we only look at price, if we only look at getting the cheapest product, then we're part of that. We're part of that process. We are part of um, potentially a supply chain that is not really doing the things that would be in alignment with the values and with looking at what are things that might be risk for trafficking or forced labor and the things that we've talked about on the show a lot. So, so I think one thing that we can all take away, w- whether you go and use this tool immediately or look in these resources or not, is just I think a starting point for all of us is when we're when we're trying to purchase something or we're looking into where we're gonna spend our money, is just to stop and think for a minute. Like, okay, you know, am I only making this decision on price? Or would I be willing to take a few extra minutes to look at Uh, what the supply chain looks like. And we're going to give you a bunch of tools in this episode to do that. But I think just having, just changing that mental attitude, and I'm saying this as much to myself, Sandy, as I am to anyone else. um, Me too. Of just, just, you know, when we're going online searching for something or looking for something for organization, just to take a moment to stop and think like, okay, what else can I ask in addition to price? Not that we're going to ignore that, but what else can I ask in addition to that so I've got more data points to make a good decision that well, supports the things we're talking about?
1: And anytime you're you're involved in a conversation where ethics is the bottom line, it it is messy because we don't live in a perfect world and it is very difficult to be completely sure that any particular product is 100% slave-free. But that doesn't excuse us from making the effort and making choices that will be more justice-oriented choices for the people whose labor has gone into that. And I, um, we could get diverted from the toolkit just talking about the ethics of, of making choices that are based on what's good for me without any consideration of what's good for someone else.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's tough, and it's so awareness is one big area. Um, just one example of that. Saying I may have mentioned this on the show before. It, it you know we're recording this in October, so Halloween's coming up, and I remember a couple of years ago I was we had talked so many times on the show about fair trade chocolate. Oh, yeah. and I was thinking about oh you know it'd be great if we could hand out fair trade chocolate to kids on Halloween, and I went online and did some research and. I think I figured out it was going to cost like three or $400 for the amount of kids <laughs> that come to our house on Halloween. Yeah. And I was just like, um, no, <laughs> we'll yep. figure out something else. Yeah. Uh, but that's just an example. Just just because you go and do the read doesn't necessarily mean that you spend the money or that's always the right choice. But of just having been thinking about it, being conscious of that decision that you're making versus just blindly doing the price
1: shopping. And, and that's a great segue back to the iLab efforts with the report that they produce biannually called the list of goods produced by child labor or forced labor. One of their key objectives is awareness, public awareness. They um, and, and we're gonna talk just for a second about how they produce this report because it is a research-based report and they don't use secret information that um, only sp- special people have because there's lots of, of um, challenges. What they have done is they've used uh, publicly available primary and secondary sources. Now, in a research-based uh, approach, you want to be able to replicate the research. So that means other people have to be, have access to the same information that you did. And it um, it gathers the information using qualitative and quantitative data, and the then the list of goods is made available to the public. And the list of goods are from countries that iLab has reason to believe are produced by forced labor or child labor In violation of international standards. So the standards are not just what we're looking at here in California or in the United States, but these are international standards.
0: So this is almost a, this is not the best term, but a clearinghouse of information. So they've Mm -hmm. assembled the information that's out there. We could go find it on our own, but they've put it all in one place and provides an easy way for us to access and to get that information quickly.
1: And, and and for instance, in the most recent report from December 2014, there are 136 goods from 74 countries on the list. And if you wanted to have a lot of detail, there is a link to the procedural guidelines. If you look at the report, there will be a bibliography for the products and how it was arrived at, that it was put on the report. So it's a very... Carefully produced report. Perfect. Now they also, in December 2012, created a reducing child labor and forced labor a toolkit for responsible businesses. And I'm pretty excited about this because businesses say to me often, "Wow, you're you're in an academic institution, um, reading all of this and learning about this. This is part of your job." I have to actually produce um, a, a report that shows a profit, and I have to conduct business. It's commercial. It's for profit. So how how do I do this? Well, this toolkit is available. It's online for companies who want to develop, and this is a quote from their document, robust social compliance systems In their global supply chain. So, Dave, take a look at that and tell me what you see when you when you open that up. I
0: believe I'm on the correct page here. So we're at the uh, Department of Labor, dol.gov, and I'm on the ILAB site for uh, reducing child labor and forced labor. And there is a graphic on the front with the eight steps of. select a step for the process and so if you click on any of these it kind of goes through the process of explaining these what i'm not sure sandy looking at this is how you pull up that report or um or what uh what pieces are here let me see learning objectives key terms oh so it just kind of guides you through it looks like the process for how you would go about this on each of the steps
1: Now, in California, because we have the Supply Chain Transparency Act, there are a set of of legislated guidelines for reporting social compliance of of supply chain and sourcing. Um, So this toolkit is aimed at people who are not necessarily required to do this, but there is a sense and i was i was in a meeting recently where a a marketing expert was speaking to leaders about the idea of cause-based marketing and so there is a sense that today's consumer and especially with the the rising influence of millennials um are much more interested in social responsibility mm. And their purchases. So, how would a company begin to align themselves with that expectation? And this toolkit provides some of those resources. So, for instance, the um, and,
0: and now that I look through here, it's it's actually way more easier. Than it, I was it is it. pretty yes, easy. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. So, if you start on here um, on the page, and and we'll put a link to the page in the notes. There's there's a graphic with the eight different steps. You click on the first step. And then you just get to continue at the bottom of each page, and it walks you through exactly what the process is to do this: of how do you engage stakeholders, of how to assess where your organization is, of uh, how to develop a code of conduct, how to communicate effectively. I mean, it looks uh, it looks very much. In alignment with some of the organizational change models that I've seen, Sandy. So I think that it's a it's a great starting point on thinking through this as an organization. If this is important to you, uh, which or if you are partnered with an organization that you're working on, how starting to think about these things? What a great place to start.
1: Well, as soon as I opened it, I thought, "Oh, this is giving me some." some um, benchmarks, some vocabulary for having this conversation with people in other departments that I partner with in my environment. But even more importantly, I do so much community education and awareness. And there are people who listen and look at me and say, wow, I wish I could do something, but this is way beyond me. It's too complicated. And here's a step-by-step toolkit that makes um makes it clear there is a place to begin. Indeed. And we can all do something. I think I've heard that somewhere before. I have heard that somewhere before too. Yes. So so the the list of countries and goods that is produced every 2 years Um, added two items to their list this last report. They added alcoholic beverages and they added meat. And Mm. for me, it's like I hadn't really thought through how they decide what to study. And as I did that and looked at one of the early lists that I had downloaded and then at the latest list, there are 353 items on the December list that's a lot of items and so
0: and these are items again that the department of labor has identified as they're reasonably sure based on the information and the research and the observations that there could there's a correlation there with um, absolutely. labor traffic labor yes. or- Forced labor or trafficking. Yes, yeah.
1: absolutely. And and one of the things um, when I listen to people and I'm trying, when people ask me questions standing in the lobby of a hotel, um, I write it down and it keeps me awake at night sometimes because I want to find an answer. Mm. And so to, to have someone say, well, it's too complicated. That happened in a lobby in a hotel in Nebraska last week. Uh, it just It just made me want to go and figure out how to make it more streamlined. Yes. And so I can't I can't tell you what to do if you're on online shopping and you're looking at a particular product, but I can tell you go to this report and you have 353 items that our Department of Labor has done research on that can be replicated that are most likely being imported and stocked on the shelves of our stores. So then I can reasonably assume that there is going to be some information on those products. Right. So I don't have a thousand products, but I have three hundred and fifty-three, and so I can be responsible with what I do have. And how
0: specific does this get, Sandy? Like, it, would it make sense to pull up the list and just to look? I mean, does it get specific to like a brand or a particular item, or how does that? Could, Actually, could you give us an example?
1: Um it does not list brands, and for me, that is a really important aspect. I do you think that people who get involved in just researching one brand end up getting themselves into some serious quagmires? They, um, I, I've had students who, when you mentioned fair trade chocolate, and Fairtrade is a certified trademark. There are other trademarks as well, so um, it isn't like a generic term. A more generic term is slave-free. And so when they looked at a particular product and they said, well, this company has made this product with, and, and then they, they paint the entire company as all bad. Um, there were other projects that were socially responsible by the same company. And they actually produced one of their chocolate bars that was entirely fair trade and had the certification. So it gets very messy. So leave out, leave out brand names. It, it isn't, a lot of companies are are doing work. They're going to this website to be to have more social compliance. And if they're um, doing business in California, they're being held to a higher accountability. But it is not good practice to list the actual brand names.
0: Got it. Got it. And and that goes right to our our philosophy. We've talked about on the show many times is that business and organizations are partners in this effort, not. Um, not adversaries by any means. Absolutely. And all of us, many of us work in businesses and organizations that produce products. And so um, how can we partner with those businesses and organizations to do that more effectively? And like you said, you know, we could cite so many examples of organizations that are doing it that fabulously in some areas and maybe not as well in other areas, just like... Just like people, right? Right. Some things we're doing well as people and, and in any given time or situation other areas we're falling short on. And so how do we partner to help everyone to be more effective?
1: And we're trying to do better. Um, being perfect is kind of an illusion, but yeah. we are trying to do better. Well, let me ask
0: a follow-up on that because I, I am still curious, though, as far as just the practical use of this list. So when you say something like alcohol, that's 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 too broad. Like if I'm going to the store and thinking like, okay, what would I purchase, not purchase? How specific does it get as far as the direction that it provides to me as a consumer on like what would be the kind of alcohol or meat that I'd be watching that I'd want to watch for to maybe make different decisions?
1: It would it would probably and I, I haven't looked at the alcohol list um but for instance blueberries if uh, the report indicated that blueberries from southern Argentina um, are often uh, harvested by children who are not getting an education and who are not being um, compensated appropriately. Got it. Um, So then if the store I'm in has a little label and says, wow, you get to have these off-season blueberries at this great price, uh, I'm going to think about that and do a little homework before I decide that, yeah, I want to have blueberries off season
0: got it well that's a great example because they always say on the package at least where where it's it's from Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. that's interesting okay so that would be so like for fruits and vegetables that's the kind of thing you could look for um are there other things that you know of off the top of your head that you've looked at as far as just
1: i've looked at chocolate i've looked at cotton it's like if a if a t-shirt says that it It was made in a particular country. Mm -hmm. I can go back and look and see where that cotton came from. And in fact, um, the little episode I talked about with buying cotton tote bags really cheap, the company, when I called them, uh, said, we have a zero tolerance policy for child labor. I was like, well, so do I, but show me how you implement that how do you enforce it and ultimately after a couple of emails a letter and two phone calls they finally said we don't actually know where the cotton to make them comes from and they they wouldn't tell us and i'm sure they didn't want us to know but i know that if the cotton comes from uzbekistan that there are kids on cotton plantations who don't get to go to school because that's what they are doing instead
0: so, looking at the source, and and when we say source, like literally the literally source of the where source. the countries are, yeah. where pro- certain products are coming from. So that list would help with perspective on that. As far mm-hmm. as okay, I if I'm looking at two different shirts in a store, and I look at the country of origin and the materials that I might make a different choice based on that information. So um, it'd be really interesting, even to have like, like. To grab that list and download it on your mobile device, and just you know, next time you're in the store and you're you're looking for a particular kind of thing, like just to pull up see if anything's on the list as far as direction. Oh yeah, it almost reminds me, Sandy, of those um those really neat cards that they have where you can when you go out for a restaurant go go out to a restaurant on seafood where they have that watch list of like yes okay to eat. Yes, have you seen that red uh, red light, yellow light, green light? Exactly. Eat occasionally. Don't ever order this fish at a restaurant because they've been over. Fished and, and mm. the supplies are down. It's almost kind. Of, it, it sounds a little bit like that. Of like you just have some sort of reference that will be helpful to you in the moment of thinking. Okay, you know and maybe there, here's some information. I can there
1: use. are some apps that are being developed. Uh, Free to work is one of them. Um, and I we can we can uh, do some research and maybe post some of those on there. Oh neat. Um, when you you mentioned seafood, there is a lot of research now on um, forced labor and slavery in the shrimp industry in Thailand and Southern Asia uh, to the point where it would be difficult for me to go and order scampi right now because I just read that report. Mm. So it does make, it does, our choices end up when we're out celebrating at a nice restaurant, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. Well, I know it affected my choice when I saw some of those fish lists years ago when Mm -hmm. that first started to come out. I was like, oh, wow, I've. Ordered that a bunch of times at restaurants, and I never knew that there was an overfishing problem or an over, you know, or a s- in supply issue with this particular fish. And so um, I stopped ordering that fish. I don't even remember which one it was, but I know I'd, it changed my behavior. And so just it goes back to what you said er- right earlier in the episode, Sandy, of just awareness. Awareness goes a long exactly. way. If exactly. you know that there's an issue with something, like, okay, I can make a different choice now. And if enough people make that choice, then that affects. What is purchased and what's supplied, and the choices that are made economically and that 's huge
1: and it happens for all of us. um Let me give you a couple more little highlights from this um this report from department of labor i I want you to think about the definition for child labor. The international standard, because I often, people say, well, you know, it's not like kids in America. Kids in other countries are used to working, but it's not 18. The international standard is work performed by a person below the age of 15, and it includes any kind of practice that is a form of slavery, the sale or trafficking of children, debt bondage, serfdom, forced or compulsory labor, and it includes forced or compulsory co- recruitment of children for use in armed conflict. Um, so, so the definitions are international definitions. And they have five principles for evaluating the information. And that kind of procedural guide for some people is really important detail information. And just quickly, it's the nature of the information, the date of the information. They don't use anything older than five years. They try to keep it very current. The source, um, whether the information indicates significant incidents of child labor or forced labor. And then the extent of corroboration from various sources. Corroboration is key. They uh, uh, try to limit single source um, references on their report. They want corroboration. So that's that's really important. And their, their process is related to their goal. They w- want a, a transparent process using publicly available primary and secondary sources so that this is something that is available for all of us we aren't it isn't something hidden and when i look at their uses for the list that idea of raising public awareness about forced labor and child labor that is the real goal this this list isn't included to be um, intended to be a punishment, but it's a starting point for individual and collective action, and that's why we wanted to spend some time here on this podcast because we can take action as an individual, but we can also take action collectively, whether in our business communities or beyond in in our advocacy work. And becoming educated on this and understanding how to use the list will be a significant um, stepping stone, something solid. It's not people just making um, generalized statements, but you can pull this up and say, yes, cotton in Uzbekistan is a problem. And if we address this, that means that we have to also go over there and check out and see how are we going to get those kids into a place where they go to school. So it isn't just about not buying a t-shirt. It's about changing the quality of life for a child, an adult, for another human being by our just choices.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's the, 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 the thing that really strikes me of what you just said is that this has been done well, you know, and, and the research has been done well. There's good processes, procedures, standards put in place to make sure it's reported accurately. And I just pulled up on the website a, a neat infographic, just a one page overview of the entire list. And it's, uh, it's really neat and sandy. I mean, this would be really easy to have with when you're shopping or just to look at when you're looking for something of, um, just a quick reference guide. And, uh, yeah, it's really, uh, really helpful from that standpoint.
1: That's exciting. I'm glad.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll put a link in the show notes, and and I'm I'm glad you've gotten me thinking of a different way to approach our buying habits. And if we do have our awareness to do this more effectively, it'll really change our behavior. And that's a big part of what we're trying to do in our work at the Global Center for Women and Justice. Sandy is to uh, first of all, is to study the issues, to understand what's going on out there. Uh, and ultimately to be a voice and to make a difference in and ending, ha- ending trafficking. And that awareness piece is, is is critical of that starting point of really looking at where can we start? And That's right. If we start well and we learn some of these things we can uh, we can make a big impact. So thank you so much for listening today. I hope that you will reach out to us if you have questions, on uh, this. And you'd like more resources, lots of links in this episode. Thanks in advance to Nadia, who will track them all down for us. And uh, you can also reach us with questions at gcwj at vanguard.edu. That stands for the Global Center for Women and Justice here at Vanguard University. Or you can reach us by phone too 714-966-6360. And Sandy, we'll be back again in uh, two weeks with our next episode. Thanks again. Thank you. Take care, everybody. Bye.